Listen, I get it. There are about a hundred different Bible study apps and guides out there, but I want to tell you about one that you may not have heard of yet, Yarrow. Yarrow offers beautifully designed inductive Bible studies and a digital app that guides you through scripture so that you can know what it says and understand what it means for your actual life. No matter where you're coming from or what season of life you're in, Yarrow is the Bible study guide that will help you unearth the truth of scripture so that it can take root in your heart and propel you deeper in your relationship with God. Go check out their first study, Known, which is all about your identity in Christ at yarrow.org. They are offering 10% off with the code JOURNEYWOMEN10. So go to yarrow.org and use the code JOURNEYWOMEN10 for 10% off and download the Yarrow app to study for free today. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women podcast, I'm chatting with Katherine Parks about authentic friendships. We talk about everything from the role of confession, repentance, and prayer in our friendships to how the gospel actually restores our relationships with one another when we're wrong or when we've been wronged. Listen to what she said. The good news about Jesus coming and living the perfect life we couldn't live and dying as the perfect sacrifice that we desperately needed, and then rising again to give us perfect hope, this changes everything about our relationships. For one thing, first we're brought near to our Father, and we're given the Holy Spirit to help and comfort and empower us, and to empower us in our friendships and in those relationships. And we're given the friendship of the perfect friend, Jesus. And when we trust Him, all of that is secure and it's unable to be removed. Nothing we do is going to change that. Since my conversation with Catherine, I have found myself encouraged to walk in authenticity in my own relationships for the building up of the church and ultimately for the glory of God. I really hope you guys are encouraged to that end as you listen as well. So you'll know our guests a little better. Catherine Parks is a writer and Bible teacher who loves to help women build friendships around scripture and prayer. Now, on to my conversation with Catherine on the topic of authentic friendship. Catherine, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks. It's so great to be here. I want to introduce you to all of our listeners. You are a writer, you're a Bible teacher, you live in Nashville, which totally made me want to come down and record in person, though I know that probably would have gone epically wrong for me because I've never actually done that. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been so fun. We're so close. I know, I know. So maybe one day we'll have to have coffee. That'll be less risky for me. Could you tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So my husband and I have been in the Nashville area for 13 years. Wow. uh, That's impressive. Yeah. I feel like there aren't that many. Well, I I know there's a ton of people that have grown up in Nashville, but um, it's just such a hot spot to like come. I feel like there's a lot of people relocating to Nashville, but 13 years, you're like a Nashville veteran. It feels like that. Yeah. Which is weird. And it's funny too, because uh, it is kind of rare to meet someone who was born and raised here. Um, And yeah, it is. It's a very popular place at the moment. Uh, But we have two kids. Our daughter's 11 and our son is eight. And um, in Nashville, there's this 
idea, like if you meet someone and you ask them what they do and they say they're a songwriter or a musician, then your next question is, what Starbucks do you work at or where are you waiting tables? Because nobody can actually make a living. You know, it's very rare to like do that. And so I kind of feel like that when people ask me, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a writer, but I'm also a nanny sometimes and an editor. And I did baby food marketing for a while. So, you know, it's kind of like all of these little odd jobs um, to be able to stay home. And yeah, it's been fun. And just a really cool way to see the Lord constantly provide in unexpected ways. Um, And so I get to stay home and we've kind of done homeschooling. We did homeschooling last year and now the kids are back in school and kind of taking it year by year with that. Um, So my daughter is in fifth grade and she's, we're just kind of getting into the world of like school activity. So she had her first fifth grade band concert a couple of nights ago, which was the greatest thing ever. (laughs) I can only imagine. It's like people who have been playing an instrument for like a couple weeks, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And their instructor is so smart because she started it out by having all of the kids act like what they sounded like the first day of band. And so it's (laughs) awful. It's just so terrible. So then you can only go up from there. So then when they actually played a song, you're like, wow, they're actually really good, which is of course not true, but compared to, right. Right. You know, setting the the expectations. (laughs) Brilliant. High goals, low expectations. Yeah, I tried to video and I was rewatching the video and I'm giggling so hard that the camera is shaking. And I thought, (laughs) oh man, it was just, my husband and I both had huge smiles on our faces. It was everything we hoped it would be and more. Oh, that is excellent. I love it. Great. Yeah. So it's just a fun, fun stage of life. Um, and then we're just really involved. Uh, we go to Redemption City Church in okay. Franklin, Tennessee, and we're really involved there leading home group and um, I help lead worship. And so oh, uh, what do you yeah. do? Do you sing, play piano, play an instrument? I sing and play piano, um, which is always super intimidating in Nashville because yeah. Yeah, everybody sings and plays that an instrument. Kind of musician, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's really fun uh, to be able to serve in that way. So, yeah. oh, I think that's wonderful. It's fun for me to hear a little bit more about your everyday life, just because I feel like I've been lurking on you with social media, and then obviously with your book. And so, it's really cool to get to hear uh, more about who you are. And one of the things I loved when I was reading your book is that it was actually forwarded by Trillia Newbell, who we've had on the Journey Women podcast yeah. in the past. And you guys have a sweet friendship. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we met online, uh, probably six years ago and she was living in Knoxville at the time. And then wow. pretty quickly after that, her family relocated here to the Nashville area. And so, you know, we kind of took the online friendship into real life. And she just became a really dear friend and, um, our kids enjoy each other. And now we worship together in the same church. And so it's been a real joy. And, and I talk about her in the book and just the things that I've learned about friendship from her. So I'm really thankful for that. Yes. So let's dive into that topic. Why are friendships important for us as believers? I mean, Catherine, out of all of the things that we discuss on the Journey Women podcast, I feel like this is something that draws in the most interest just because we're all craving relationships. So Mm -hmm. why are friendships important for us as believers? Yeah, I mean, it comes back to just the way we are created. You know, you look at that in Genesis 2 and um, 
this is the context of marriage, but the idea is like, it wasn't good for man to be alone. Right. And, uh, and then as you go throughout the storyline of scripture, God's redeeming for himself a people and a community. And we look at the new Testament and the great commission, um, you know, is to not just one person, but to a group of people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even that is given to go out into all the world. And, you know, there's just this very communal nature mm-hmm. to, uh, the way we're created. And even like looking at the new Testament epistles and those are written, most of them to churches. And these are communities of believers living life together and instructions for the way they're supposed to do that. And so, um, we just see it throughout scripture that, it's not an accident that we have these longings for deeper relationships. And that's something that God gave us and and that he wanted us to have. And ultimately that comes from who God is right? Um, and the nature of the Trinity and the fellowship inherent in the eternal God living in community and fellowship and then wanting to share that joy with, um, you know, those who bear his image. And so that's, it's in our DNA. Yes. That's such a potent thought. I love that you drew that back to the Genesis passage. And I want to ask about that because where did we see, you know, relationships become difficult? Like how does the reality of the fall in Genesis three affect the dynamic of our relationships today? Oh man. Like, every possible way. Right. It's unfortunately um, it's like yes. oh, face palm. Yes. This yeah. is the story of my week. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And one of the things that we see immediately is that when the conflict comes, we blame the people that we're supposed to love. And yeah. so immediately these walls go up and conflict enters. Um, and we go straight to self-preservation instead of sacrificial love. You know, we're, we're protecting ourselves. Um, instead of loving one another. And we see that obviously when Adam and Eve do it in Genesis three, but it's less obvious when I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. You feel justified in doing it. Like, it's (laughs) like, this is, this is clearly, clearly I'm right here. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And even just, you know, there's one of these things when you write or teach on something, it's a thing that you're just like bombarded with, or you're tested in, or God continues to show that you, you may have written a book on it, but you still right. have a lot to learn. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that. Cause I feel like that every Monday, Catherine. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> yes. And it's like, there are certain things that I'm thinking, okay, I do not want to teach on this, or I don't want to study that. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be tested in that area. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I've had a couple of misunderstandings or conflicts lately and friendships. And my immediate response is to be defensive and to blame the other person. And I might not be saying, okay, this is your fault, but because I want to believe that I'm the perfect friend, I'll tell myself that anything that's, you know, any misunderstanding or problems is the other person's fault or that they just don't really know me or they don't understand me or... Um, and then we also see this, this conflict and the way the fall affected us and our desire to hide, uh, behind veils, filters, or, I mean, Adam and Eve, that was their immediate response, right? Is to hide from God. And it's risky for us to let someone else in. Totally. Uh, We might get hurt or things that we want to hide might be revealed. And so we would rather cover ourselves up like Adam and Eve did. Um, than to be seen as we truly are. Mm-hmm. 
but there's hope, right? Like we have the gospel, praise God. So how does the gospel restore our relationships with God and with others and actually enable us to uh, take the risks, like you said, to risk being hurt so that we can uh, live out our design as image bearers to be in community and fellowship and intimate relationship with one Mm -hmm. another? Yeah, well, the good news about Jesus coming um, and living the perfect life we couldn't live and dying as the perfect sacrifice that we desperately needed, and then rising again to give us perfect hope, this changes everything about our relationships. For one thing, first, we're brought near to our Father, and we're given the Holy Spirit to help and Mm, comfort and empower us and to empower us in our friendships and Mm -hmm. in those relationships. And we're given the friendship of the perfect friend, Jesus. And when we trust him, all of that is secure and it's unable to be removed. Nothing we do is going to change that. And, um, I mean, that's such a comfort because I think particularly in friendship, there's always this fear that I could mess this up and this person could betray me or leave me. And just the sweet comfort of knowing that Jesus will never do that is, is just so dear to my heart and such, I mean, it's, um, it's just such a sweet thing in the times that I have had conflict and knowing I, I can't make him run away from me. You know, yes. he won't. Yes. Um, and so because of that, then we're free to love others without that kind of fear. And we're still going to, I mean, that's still an earthly struggle um, to, to be fearful or anxious about that. But ultimately being forgiven by God in Christ means that you and I are able to forgive others when they wrong us. And we're able to humbly ask for forgiveness when, when other people hurt or when we hurt other people. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so practically, like I was working through something with a friend just yesterday and I realized that I easily have the idea that a good friendship is one where there's no conflict. Right. Like you're going to get to this place where you're so close that you never have any problems. There's never any misunderstanding or conflict. But this friend, through some of the things she was saying, helped me realize that a good friendship is actually one where we press into the things that bring conflict and we work through them together. That a good friendship is going to be sanctifying for us. And it's one that we're not just going to give up and quit when things get difficult. And the closer you get to some, I mean, we know this, like if you're married, you see that, that the more time you spend with someone, the more opportunity there is for misunderstanding and conflict. For sure. For sure. And I think the closer that you get to someone, you know, then the more opportunity there is because you begin to see, you know, intimacies into me, you see, you see all the Mm. things. (laughs) So it's like, how much more opportunity is there for, you know, like a disruption in your relationship when you do see all the things about that person? Yes. Yeah. Friendships are also given a different purpose in the gospel. Yes. Um, And I love... Paul's letter to the church at Colossae and Colossians 3 especially is just so strong on this, the whole chapter. But the first three verses say, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Mm -hmm. And then from that, Paul goes straight into what this new community of believers should and shouldn't Mm -hmm. look like. Mm -hmm. And so because our identity is in Christ, we get to help each other remember and live that identity out. And so friendship 
while hanging out is important, that's not just what a Christian friendship should be. It's um, fighting the battle against indwelling sin side by side and fighting to remember our identity in Christ and reminding each other of what is true. Do you ever find yourself so busy that you can't find time to prioritize God's Word? Dwell Bible app can help you out. With Dwell, I can listen to and meditate on the scriptures in the car, in the middle of the night, or while I'm making meals and tending to the needs of our household. Incorporating the Bible into everyday moments is so easy with Dwell. I am constantly using the playlists on walks or as I fall asleep to review the scripture that I have been memorizing. The soothing background music, the ability to select your preferred translation or narrator, the sleep timer, and the read-along feature with Dwell make it the most helpful Bible reading app on the market. Their newest release is called Dwell Daily, and it will help you immerse yourself in the Word, pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for 25% off. Thank you for saying that, because I think when we have that aim, our friendships look very different, correct? Not only like in a practical sense, but who we befriend and who we can enter into that depth of relationship with, I think broadens because it enables us to be um, in community with people that aren't just like us, that we don't have to just talk about what's on like the surface and what we do um, uh, you know, for entertainment or um, yeah. as a hobby or whatever. But then when our aim and our goal becomes one another's holiness, then we have this whole entire, like, you know, uh, I don't know, world of opportunity by mm-hmm. which we can just uh, press into relationship with one another. And I think one of the things that's been so hard and also so refreshing and so good, and this is really the theme of your whole book, is how uh, we engage with one another about our sin and how we have conversations with each other about the things that are inhibiting like us walking from walking in holiness. So how does our sin not only affect us, but how does it affect others around us and those that we're in relationship with. Yeah. And I love your point about, you know, the, the broader spectrum of who we can befriend. And and I just wanted to say, like, I think that is, that's an area right now in our culture that is so obvious that, you know, everything is so polarized and we're uniting ourselves around, totally. you interests. know, political things right. or interests. Yeah. And this is an opportunity for the church to lead in that area in a really big way. And so I love that you pointed that out, but yeah, our sin, I mean, the passage in Colossians three speaks to this as well, that my sin is obviously a big problem uh, it hurts me and it's against a holy God, but it does, like you said, affect others around us. And uh, it's it's a detriment to the body of Christ. And so when I forget that my life is in Christ, when I forget that identity, and when I set my mind on earthly things, when I don't put to death what belongs to my earthly nature, which is Colossians 3, 5, then this has huge implications for those around me. Mm-hmm. Um, And even beyond just like the normal interpersonal conflict that we think of. And so a couple of ways it does that first is the normalization of sin. And I think we see this, I mean, I, I, I don't know how many times a day I have the thought, 
well, I'll do this because this is what this person does, you know, or even like when it comes down to things like promoting a book, well, it's okay to, to say this or retweet that or whatever, because that's what everybody does, you know? And so it's just in our hearts to compare and justify ourselves based on what we see around us. And so when I give in to sin, And when I excuse it, then it gives those around me the appearance of freedom to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And nothing good comes from that. And so on the flip side, when I'm fighting my sin, that also encourages other people to do the same. Um, And then secondly, sin isn't committed in a vacuum. And, you know, in in the book, I do a deep dive into the life of David and his sin against Bathsheba and husband and all of that. But what was really enlightening to me was seeing just how many people were affected by what was seemingly like a private sin. And obviously Bathsheba is affected. Um, He takes advantage of her. And, you know, by all appearances from what the scripture says, it seems like he rapes her um, Mm -hmm. and then has her husband killed. And, you know, just all of the ripple effects. I know. Heartbreaking, the yes. and the servants and family members and the baby dies and all of this. And it's just this picture of how, how much further sin takes us and how many more people it affects than we want to think it does. Right. Yeah. And we could think, like you said, it's just a private pet sin and it's not really affecting the community at large. And I think that's why it's so important like you mentioned, for us to walk in repentance, to look away from ourselves and look to Jesus and not just to do that privately, but to do that in a way that welcomes others in so that they can come alongside us in that endeavor. So what role does repentance play in our friendships? How do we actually go about practicing it? And what should actually drive our motivation for walking in repentance with each other? Well, you said, you know, that it's a turning away, which is absolutely true. And and so it's turning away from one thing and towards another. Um, we're turning away from sin, which is against God, and then turning toward obedience, which is walking with God. And so by its nature, repentance is something that we we do primarily before God. And what this looks like is really what David modeled in Psalm 51 after the sin with Bathsheba. Right. And what I love about that is that this is public. He's repenting before God, but this was included in the the Israelite songbook. Like they would have sung this. Yes. And on one hand, like that's extremely humbling, right? For, For this king whose sin was then on public display and, um, his confession and repentance is being sung by the community. I mean, I don't think we really have anything like that (laughs) in our current context to compare that to, but it's really beautiful too. I think to see that and it's encouraging. And, um, and so he goes through several steps in that Psalm from being honest about the depth of his sin and then appealing to God based on his mercy and what he knows about him and asking God to break and then heal him, um, Mm. asking for a radical solution to the sin in his heart and being comforted by the spirit and then rejoicing and resolving to obey and to teach others about God's forgiveness. Mm. And so it's just this really beautiful kind of a a linear progression that he goes through and models for us. And so, I mean, there's no better model really for what repentance looks like than that. And then 
it's Romans 2, 4 says that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. And in the context, what Paul is saying is that God's kindness and patience with us shouldn't lead us to take advantage of his love and grace, sure. but instead it should lead us to repent um, and right. to walk with him. And we know from First John 1 that this isn't just a one-time repentance, but it's an ongoing one because we turn aside so easily. And so... I mean, that's kind of the model and the motivation for repentance. And then when our friendships, um, when we're regularly repenting of our sin before God, then that gives us a freedom to open up. And that will affect our friendships because if we're not hiding from God, then we don't have a reason to hide from each other. But we have a joy and a knowledge of the forgiveness that we've been given. And, And so we'll be free. I'll be free to confess the sin that I'm struggling with. Because I want your help, Hunter, in this fight. You know, right. I want my friend's right. help. When we confess and repent before God, we learn to hate our sin even more. And that leads us to want whoever can get in this fight with us. You know, we want um, the camaraderie of other people joining us and praying mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Man, what a position of humility where you're just acknowledging, number one, your dependence on mm-hmm. Uh, the grace that you've received through the person of Jesus Christ. And then uh, you're also looking to those who have likewise received his grace as kind of administers of that grace in your life as you're flushing this out on a day-to-day basis. I think I just want to mention here too, like this this can be quite terrifying because (laughs) has your experience, Catherine, been that this is always well-received or is it sometimes something that, you know, feels a little bit risky because maybe your confession or your, uh, you know, desire for accountability makes you feel as as though you're in a position in which you're vulnerable in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, um, I've been kind of on the other end of it more where (laughs) I'm the one who thinks it's weird and awkward. Um, And so maybe that just allows me to encourage other people that even though, you know, I I had Trillia and another friend, Amber, and Amber has been my friend for 13 years. And for years, it was kind of a one-sided, like she would open up to me and wait for me to do that back. And I mean, most people would have given up and she probably should have, but I'm really glad that she didn't um, because now we have such a sweet friendship. And and I even, like I boxed her this morning and asked her to pray about a sin struggle that I was having this morning. And I love having the freedom to do that. Um, so I would just encourage people that it may be received with like uncomfortable silence or awkwardness mm-hmm. at first, but the truth is that that other person probably wants it. She just doesn't know it yet. And as you press into it and um, kind of demonstrate it, then I think the Lord can really use that. So, you know, it may not be awkward, but if it is, it's okay. Like good things can come out of that. Yes. And I think that reminder that you mentioned of like Jesus being such an intimate friend to you in that moment, even when you feel quite exposed and you may not feel like the, you know, confession or, Uh, desire to walk in repentance together is reciprocated. Like Mm -hmm. that's where pressing into that friendship with Jesus is just such a potent encouragement. Yes. Yeah. No, that's good. So as we're doing this and and engaging in this act of repentance with one another in confession, how can we understand and get to the root of like what it is that's causing our sin? Because I know for me, a lot of times I'm confessing behaviors and it's hard Mm -hmm. for me to know what is it that's driving this continual 
issue of, you know, running my mouth or whatever it is that I, I see these sin tendencies that mm-hmm. continue to surface. So how can we understand or get to the root of those? Yeah, there's a pastor, um, the late pastor, Jack Miller, who had a lot of really good stuff to say on this topic in a book he wrote called Repentance. And he wrote about how what we normally see in ourselves and others are what you're talking about. These, he called them branch sins. Right. Um, and so these are the easily identifiable, obvious right. kind of symptomatic right. sins. Um, but what we need to do, like you said, is get to the root of the problem. And so the branch sin might be anger or impatience or lust. Yes, Um, immodesty or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But when we identify the branches and not the roots, then we're tempted to try to control our sin with behavior modification. Correct, moralism. Yeah, absolutely. And so getting to the root means seeing what's underneath and causing those branch sins. What are the heart issues? And one of the things when I studied Psalm 51, um, I was really struck with... David saying, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And I always assumed, oh, he lost the joy of his salvation when he sinned. And I definitely think that's part of the issue. But I started to wonder, like, what if he lost that joy before all of this started? Wow. Um, He's a king who has been fighting with his troops, as kings were expected to do. But then in 2 Samuel 11, where this story starts, uh, The first verse says it's the time when kings went out to war, but David isn't. He's back at the palace and he's walking around. And this is a man who very clearly has been on a mission for God. But now, whether it's from like fatigue or who knows what, he's he's not doing what a king should do. And then he sees a woman who isn't his wife, wants her, has her brought to him, starts this whole, you know, um, spiral. Right. And... I don't want to make this too simplistic, but I, it's just caused me to wonder, would someone who is daily rejoicing in God's salvation do what David did here? Would he neglect his responsibility? Would he murder somebody? You know, all of these things. And we look at so many of the Psalms where he is rejoicing in his salvation. And then we look at Psalm 51, where he's asking God to restore that joy. And as I've thought about it, I realized that so many of my own struggles with sin come yes. from that same root of failing to rejoice in my salvation and failing to rejoice in the gospel, failing to preach the gospel to myself. Yes. And when we look at the Old Testament, especially, we see that God designed for his people to live in a way where rehearsal and remembering and rejoicing in his salvation was a part of their daily rhythms as a people. Um, You know, he set up these festivals and the sacrificial system and all of these things. And in our church, we're going through Exodus right now. And it's like, remember, I am the God who brought you out of slavery. Remember what I have done for you because we're so quick to forget. And God knew that we would be quick to forget his goodness and to chase after things that can't satisfy us. And so the antidote to that is to taste and see that he is good, that he's better than anything else. Are you looking to boost your protein intake in the new year? Many of us are not getting enough protein, especially at breakfast. So PrepDish wants to help you out. For the month of January, PrepDish is offering bonus protein boost meal plans when you sign up. 
This free bonus shows you how to quickly prep four protein-rich dinners and one breakfast to help you reach your protein goals. Each menu will have you covered for the whole week. You guys, these meals are super mouthwatering and delicious. They have slow cooker carnitas bowls, stuffed pepper soup, and a Swiss chard mushroom and goat cheese frittata. Just imagine coming home to a ready-for-you protein-rich meal to refuel after a long day at work. This is a limited time offer, so make sure to sign up before the end of January to get these free bonus meal plans. Head into your healthiest year yet, feeling confident that dinner is planned, prepped, and will sustain you for all the things you have going that day with PrepDish. Check it out and get a two-week free trial at PrepDish.com journey. Remember, for the month of January, anyone who signs up gets the Protein Boost Meal Plan bonus. Again, that's PrepDish.com journey for two weeks free plus bonus menus. What does it look like to fight that daily battle, you know, to taste and to see that the Lord is good? Because I am so prone to forgetfulness, Catherine. Oh, man, me too. And I love that you use the words fight and battle because that's what it is. Yes. It's a fight to remove the obstacles that we put up that keep us from seeing him. And it's a battle to hope and trust in the midst of doubt and discouragement. And I think it can look like a lot of things, you know, um, I mean, very practically, like being satisfied in the morning by him and meditating on him throughout the day. For me, I mean, sometimes in my van, I need to turn off NPR or whatever podcast I might be listening to and just spend time in prayer. And I have to fight for that because it's not just natural, right. you know, I so agree. many other things are way more natural for me. I agree. Um, and then it's also about the rhythms of our lives in a communal sense. And so, like I mentioned, like we absorb the behavior and the language of people around us. And in the book, I tell a story about Corey Ten Boom's father, Casper, who was a watchmaker in Holland. And because I do not understand how clocks work, but this is like before modern technology, which would um, allow a clock to keep its time. And so every week, Casper had to get on the train and go to Amsterdam and set his clock, his wow. watch by the, um, the clock in the city the naval clock and then take that time back to his workshop Wow! and reset, you know, all the clocks there by it. And in just a week's time, there was enough change that would happen that he had to go back the next week and reset it. And so it would get off by, you know, a couple of minutes. And in order to have the exact time, he had to keep going back and recalibrating his watch. And what a picture that is of our hearts. Our hearts need regular recalibration to what is good and true and right. And we need each other to remind ourselves of our identity in Christ. And again, like Colossians 3 says that we can do this together in worship. Verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And so there's this beauty. I mean, this is why like gathering with the body of believers is so important because I don't know if you've experienced this, but I'll be gone for a couple of weeks and I'm always shocked by at first I like really long to be there. And then slowly I'm like, oh, I could never go back and I might be okay. (laughs) And I hate that. I hate that that is, but it's like the further removed I get from something, the quicker I am to, to forget 
what it tastes like, you know, to forget the goodness and the beauty and the joy of it. And we, but, but my soul is longing for it, whether I realize it or not. Um, but I also want to mention that sometimes this is really hard, you know, whether that's because of struggles in your local church context or different circumstances, um, or just being plagued with doubt, you know, and, and that can be so, so hard. And I spent a season of my life where I could only read Psalm 42 Wow! and I read it all the time, but it was really the only part of scripture that I could read at that time in my life. Mm. I was really, really struggling and, um, you know, church situations and just kind of, um, losing my faith in humanity (laughs) at the time and, um, going through some spiritual depression. And in Psalm 42, the psalmist repeats this, um, collection of a couple of verses where he says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. And I had to fight in that time to believe that even if I couldn't praise him right then, Mm. that I would again, I will yet praise him. And I love that that Psalm is in there because I think it gives us, you know, the permission. I, it was a fight. It was a fight to even read that and hope that one day I would praise him again and hope that I would join with other believers and be able to do that again. And the Lord has been so gracious to do that in my life, but, but I don't want it to sound like, oh, all you do is taste and see that the Lord is good and you'll never sin again because it is a fight and it is a battle. Like yes. you mentioned. Yeah, for sure. And man, I long to be the kind of friend who receives confession, who receives, like, if you were to come to me in that situation, Catherine, and say, I am really struggling right now. I want to be the kind of friend that points you to the gospel and in like a loving and gentle way, a refreshing way. So how can we receive the confession of a friend in a way that actually points them to the cross of Christ? Oh, this is such a tough one. And, uh, it's something that I, str- I mean, I've written about it, but I still struggle to do it well. <laughs> um, our temptation when someone confesses to us is to say, oh, it's okay, or to kind of justify it or make excuses like you're doing the best you can, or it's not your fault, or, um, you know, to kind of let the other person off the hook. And for me, I don't want to be seen as judgmental. So I'm quick to minimize the problem and to call it giving my friend grace. Yeah. But that's not grace, right? Um, mm. True grace is seen at the cross where we receive acceptance and justification and forgiveness that we don't deserve. And I think sometimes we, with that catchphrase, like give each other grace or give yourself grace, we're, we're really missing the meaning of what grace is. And so if someone comes to me, like if you came to me and confessed something, that would be because you were convicted. And you're taking your sins seriously. Like this is something that's really bothering you. It it must be bothering you enough that you would come and talk to me about it. Mm -hmm. And so if that's true, why would I say, oh, you're fine? Right. Yes. I just had a friend who I I was walking in confession with her. And I think I was in that struggle, Catherine, of kind of what you Mm -hmm. described where I was still seeking to self-justify. And you know how sometimes you can like mask a confession in a look, like looking for affirmation (laughs) in your actions. And she simply said, I hear that you did that. I hear that you are grieved. You need to walk forward in repentance. And let me say, it was such a relief 
Mm -hmm. I talk about this friend on the podcast all the time. She's probably laughing because this is like the fifth time I've brought her up. (laughs) But she said, you know, you have got to walk forward in repentance. And to hear her say that was like balm to Mm -hmm. like a chapped soul. It was like, you're right. And just to hear that affirmation of like, yes, what you did was wrong and you need to repent and, and walk in a different direction. It was like, I knew I needed that. And I, I kind of mm. needed somebody to push me in that direction because I was still walking in denial. Oh, that's so good. And so hard, man. But I mean, that's the thing. Like if someone comes to you and says, you know, and confess sin, it's like she's on the way to the cross to yes. receive forgiveness yes, and to be reminded of God's love for her in Christ. And we'll stop her and say, oh, you don't need the cross. You're good. And yes. we would never actually say that to anyone, but in effect, that's what we're doing when we make excuses. And so like your friend did, like we have to break that cycle and point each other to the cross. And obviously this doesn't mean that we pile on and say, yeah, you're the worst. I mean, it's <laughs> not that kind of thing. Correct. Um, but it means that we respond to each other's confessions with true grace that says, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry you're struggling with that sin. And, but I'm so encouraged to see you actually struggling against it and not mm. fully giving into yes. it. Yes. And that that's an example of the Holy yes. Spirit working in you and affirming that. Yes. Um, and then can I pray for you about this? And will you pray for me about this sin, you know, that I'm struggling with. And that's where that side-by-side, same team mindset comes in. Absolutely. I love the picture that Bonhoeffer offers in his book, Life Together, Mm. of standing under the cross of Christ as recipients of his grace, right? Like you are not looking down, extending like grace. You are a co-recipient of the grace that we've received Uh through Jesus Christ. And so, what else can you do but to lead her to the cross and stand there with tears streaming mm. down your face together as recipients of what he has extended to us through his death and resurrection? I just, oh. I, I want, I long for that in my relationships. And so how does the practice of confession, repentance, and prayer, like you mentioned, actually impact and grow and build intimacy in the context of our relationships with one another? Yeah. I mean, really kind of what we've already talked about, like when we're forgiven by God first, and 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 sometimes we need other people to remind us to practice repentance like your friend did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those things, it's this really neat cycle that happens that when we repent before God, we can be open with other people. And then they're speaking into our lives and more sin is revealed, you know, whether it's through processing things aloud with them or things that they notice in us. And then that leads us back into repentance. And, but what comes out of all of this is joy, joy before the Lord yes. and joy in these friendships and um, joy and knowing, like you're saying that we're all forgiven at the cross and that we are, um, that the, the playing field is leveled there. And so we can confess our sins to one another as a means, not just of, of being forgiven, but also as a way of helping each other fight against that sin. Because if I know that I've confessed something to you and that you're praying for me about it and that you're going to check up on me about that thing and ask me how it's going, then that's a beautiful little guard in place that will hopefully make me think twice before, you know, 
I engage in a certain sin or that will help me to, to keep investigating what's going on in my heart and um, to not give in to thoughts and beliefs that aren't true and that aren't of the Lord. Yeah. What an act of dependence. Yeah. Just to know that, you know, that sin has been exposed and to know that, yeah, someone is going to be um, asking you in love about that. And I, I just think it does press me into depending on the Holy Spirit for help in those moments where the temptation mm-hmm. arises. And like I said, I want to engage in gossip or something, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, like it's just that extra added check of like this. I really don't want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and having the kind of friendships that because the two of you or three of you or multiple, you know, you're, you're engaged in this fighting sin together, mm-hmm. then you will be less likely to engage in some of those things together. together. Too. Yes. 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 Because yes. gossip is such a big problem, you know? Yes. And so I love for that you sure. pointed that one out. What are some questions for those of us who are seeking to build authentic friendships might be able to ask when we enter into a situation where we're getting to know somebody or whatever? I mean, you mentioned that you have been in the same spot for 13 years. I think it's interesting just by nature of the name of the Journey Women podcast that we actually draw a lot of people in very transient lifestyles missionaries, expats, military, people moving, uh, transitioning from college into the working space. I think a lot of the listeners are currently in situations in which they are building friendships and seeking out this kind of community right now. Mm -hmm. So what questions would you suggest they could kind of use as like a starter guide for building authentic friendships? Well, you know, my, my brother is military and, um, my sister-in-law, Laura has modeled this really well for me. And I'm sure that this is, you know, something that you go through too, but it's like, you don't have long. Mm-mm. So two years, maybe three years. You yeah. got to dismiss with the formalities, right. And just kind of get to the heart of it. Right. And, um, I love that because really for all of us, life is short and we need to use it well, whether you're living in the same place your whole life or you've just moved somewhere, you know, we don't, we don't really have time to waste. And so I love that my sister-in-law, every time they move somewhere new, she just like dives right in and builds these intentional friendships. And that's been a great example to me. Um, and so as far as questions, you mentioned Trillia and when we first started hanging out, when she moved here, Every time we would get together, she would ask me the question, how's your heart? And at first, that was super weird to me. <laughs> that would, that and, would be weird in a military context, too, I have to say, because, yeah. you know, it's hard to examine your heart, especially when you're walking through or maybe even a missionary context to examine your heart when you're kind of walking through some some hard circumstances. And I know mm. everybody is. All of our listeners are to some one degree or another. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she was coming out of, um, a very intense, like accountability discipleship model where she met with two women for years for this very intentional purpose. And so I think, you know, she was using some of the language out of that and, and it took me a little while to realize what she was really getting at, but it was super helpful for me because I knew every time I got together with her that she was going to ask me that question. And eventually 
the Lord used that to help me examine my heart. Uh, Like I would be driving to meet her thinking, okay, she's going to ask me, what should I say? And really what that drew me to repentance in a really neat way before the Lord. And then opened me up to confess to her and to talk with her about those things. But I think also just asking specific questions can get to the heart of things like, you know, what are you struggling with in your job or in your marriage or as a mom or as a friend or, you know, if you just love awkward moments and want to go straight to it, asking things like, what are you worshiping or what do you struggle to believe about God? And I think the thing is, you know, you have to gauge like where you are in a relationship. I think those kind of identifying roles and opening people up to, you know, asking about jobs or things like that is a great gateway into taking the conversation in a deeper direction and listening well so that you can ask good questions, like follow-up questions. And that's something that I'm still really learning a lot about. But I think uh, in a church setting, building some of this into small groups, creating space, not just to study the word, but then to confess in and pray together is a really beautiful thing. And, um, it's a way of teaching women to do that, uh, in a way that might be uncomfortable at first, but everyone I know that has been forced to do this has grown to really love and appreciate it, but it's just kind of taking that first step. And so like saying to someone even, Hey, I'm really wanting a friendship where I can open up Mm -hmm. and be held accountable and be prayed for. And would you be interested in getting together regularly to do that with me? You know, we want things to be organic, but sometimes you just got to take that step and ask. Yes, I love that. It totally reminds me of the little girl that walked up to me in the third grade and she's like, hey, you want to be best friends? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then we were, you know, I think that that's amazing. I think it can be really helpful. And I love that we have this opportunity, Catherine, like you described, to engage in relationship with one another to this degree. And that it, although far from perfect, is a little foretaste of heaven. And as we grow to believe and understand the gospel more and more in the context of our friendships and community, it actually frees us up to engage with the brokenness, like we're talking about the hard things and with the good stuff in a way that brings us closer to God and closer to each other. So let's end with some serious gospel hope. Like what will it look like for us to be our true selves and to worship God together in the new heavens and the new earth? Mm. Um, I went to a small Christian college and I took a class on the works of C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien. Mm. And um, that sounds one awesome. Of my favorite class. It was so good. But we were discussing The Great Divorce and um, by C.S. Lewis. Yeah. And my, my professor looked at me in the middle of class and said, Catherine, in the new creation, you will be your real true self. Right now, you're only a shadow of your true self, but then you will be more real than you can imagine. And something about the way that Mm. he said that and the way that struck me in my eyes just like instantly welled up with tears and because I thought I was real. But hearing him say that, I was just suddenly filled with this longing that showed me that I wasn't truly who I will one day be and who I, you know, was intended to be. And so one day we won't be tempted to hide and cover up and put on fake smiles and we won't feel guilt and shame and we won't live in fear of each other's opinions. We will be 
fully known in a way we've never been known, you know, or I mean, we are fully known by God now, but right. in a way that we, we aren't even aware of and we'll be face to face with Jesus. And last year, some friends and I gathered on Saturday mornings to study Colossians. And as we were studying chapter three, which I've already mentioned multiple times, one friend read her translation of verse three, which said, uh, your real life is hidden with Christ and God. Wow. Yeah. And so the sin and the struggles that we have now are not our real lives. If you've trusted Christ, your real life is secure in Him. And one day you and I will experience true joy in the presence of our Father, unburdened by sin, surrounded by friends, and finally real. Mm, I love it. If we want to grow in this area of developing real relationships on this side of heaven, what resources would you recommend? Um, well, I mentioned the book Repentance. It's uh, Repentance, A Daring Call to Real Surrender by C. John Miller. And yeah, it's very practical, but also just like really deep and it's refreshingly short. So <laughs> that's all, uh, that's what I'm looking for in a book, man. It's got to yes. get deep really fast <laughs> and be short enough for me to get through Actually it. Actually so, finish it, yes. Yes. Um, and then the Puritan writer, Thomas Watson, wrote The Doctrine of Repentance. And um, that was really helpful. You know, with the Puritan writers, there's always a few things that you're like, oh, I don't know. Like there are certain things that made me cringe just a little bit in this one, but most of it is so, so deep and really encouraging and good. And then I love Sandra McCracken's Psalms album. Oh, yes. I just think there's so many of the things that, you know, laying our hearts open before the Lord. Like I'm just thinking of all of these different songs where the words are just taken directly from the Psalms, but so many of the Psalms, like, you know, that our hearts are laid open before him and he knows what's in them. And even there's one based on Psalm 42, which I talked about, about hoping in the Lord because we will again praise him. And so in that daily fight to taste and see that he is good, like that is one of the albums that I go back to all the time and play with my kids and, you know, in the car on the way to school. So yes. I love that. And then if I can add a fourth, yes, just each other. Yes. You know, I think the resource of the body of Christ and pressing into that is so valuable. Yep. Yep. You can't can't really do this unless you have <laughs> one another, unless we have one another. So what are three of your simple joys, Catherine? I have been reading a ton of biographies this year and... I love biographies. Goodness, it's so encouraging. And specifically biographies of um, different faith, you know, heroes of the faith, as we call them, or people who have gone before us. And I'm just constantly in awe of God's power. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about reading these that just mm -hmm. encourages my heart so much and spurs me on in my walk and in running the race um, with endurance. And so the, that's been just really enjoyable. Okay. Um, so if you had like a top biography that you're like, this is the one you okay. guys have to read, what would you recommend? Yeah. I mean, I think 
anything by Elizabeth Elliot. She has written about her own time living in the jungles of Ecuador. Right now I'm reading her book, Shadow of the Almighty, which is her biography of her husband, Jim Elliot. Um, and then she wrote another really great one on the life of Amy Carmichael, who is a missionary in India. And I think there's something about having someone who has been a missionary writing about the life of a missionary that she mm-hmm. is refreshingly honest mm-hmm. about the struggles in a way that doesn't make them larger than life, but you see them as real people and they're very relatable. So um, anything by her, I think would be great. Very good. I'm excited. I have some of those in my closet that I have not read yeah. all the way through. So I'm excited <laughs> because I have access to them. Um, okay. Yeah. So what else? What are your other simple joys? You have two left. Yes. So. For years, I've been telling my kids how great I Love Lucy is, and they did not believe me. And <laughs> yes, just recently, they've gotten into it. And so we'll have I Love Lucy nights as a family. And it's so fun. And I think, you know, I've revisited some of those sitcoms from like the 40s and 50s. And some of them are a little bit painful to watch. You know, just maybe there's a lot of, honestly, misogyny in a lot of them that is kind of hard to take in. But yeah. I Love Lucy was so cutting edge in so many ways. And uh, and it's just so fun to have a show that we can all enjoy and laugh at together. That's, so that's wonderful. Fun. And then uh, now that it's fall. Finally. I love a good chai latte. <laughs> yes. So Me too. I get like the Tazo chai concentrate, you know, and make them at home with my little milk frother, which I know you're a fan of the milk frother. Oh. So. That's so genius. Thank you. <laughs> Where do you find the tea? Uh, I get it. I mean, they have it at Target. Um, okay. It's in the tea section, but it's just like in a little carton. So it's the okay, liquid great. and you just mix it oh. half with milk. And mm, Okay, really I'm done. <laughs> Yay, thank you. I love it yeah. when the simple joys are very applicable and practical for yes. me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Catherine, you have had such an impact on my walk with the Lord, even just in this hour. So thank you so much. And I would love for the listeners to get to hear from you. Who is it that's had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus? Yeah, it's been my parents. You know, I know a lot of your listeners have said that. And and that as a mother is such an encouragement to me. Mm-hmm. And knowing like my parents are certainly not perfect, but um, a couple of things that I just appreciate they're so faithful. My dad is a, is a small church pastor and Aww. has been for years, just like super faithful and loves his people, um, really well. And, uh, growing up, my parents were the ones who taught me about confession and repentance. And, yeah. and that was such a huge aspect in our home. And still, um, you know, hearing my dad ask forgiveness of even my kids for things, wow. And that just the humility that he's modeling yes. for them and that and the love that, you know, he just loves them so well. And I think that's probably a lot more rare than I even realize, yes. Uh, yes. but it's just a beautiful thing. And, and then just seeing them continue to, um, grow in the Lord and this lifelong dedication to knowing him more. And, uh, my mom, like leading the women in her church well, and, and just loving God's word. And, um, you know, there are weeks that she spends just like hours studying it. And that's such a beautiful example to me. Wow. Praise the Lord. Well, Catherine, it's been a joy to get to chat with you. I'm so grateful for the wisdom that you passed on to us today. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you. And thanks for what you're doing. I love, love, love listening to it. So thanks for your service in that way. Oh, it's my joy. 
as I mentioned in the intro, I shared this conversation with Catherine and I immediately found myself implementing some of the things that we discussed in my own friendships. I really hope that's the case for you guys as well. Hey, don't worry. If you missed anything, you can find the noteworthy quotes and resources from this episode on journeywomenpodcast.com. You can also hop over to social media to continue the topic of authentic friendship this week on Instagram and Facebook at journeywomenpodcast. Also, don't forget to fill out the brief survey that we linked in the show notes at journeywomenpodcast.com so that you can be entered to win a leather single column journaling Bible by Crossway. It's ESV version. I personally want it really bad. It is an absolute joy to get to journey alongside you all. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Oh my God.